guys heard about this Facebook group called Loaded Guns Pointed at Penis? Or should I say Penis is actually uh, what the Facebook group is called? I've heard vaguely heard tell of this. I don't know the whole so story. So I, I, I joined a new Facebook group because I, I read an article about it. So it, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's people posting pictures of themselves pointing guns at their, at their penises. <laughs> And, uh, and, and, uh, but the reason there was an article about it, the reason I found it is because would, would you know it? One of these guys shot themselves in the testicles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not what you're supposed the, to do. That's, that's, that's not a loaded it's game. It's not shooting yourself in the balls group. <laughs> yeah. You're supposed to shoot yourself in the penis, obviously. Yeah, idiot. And, uh, it's really, it's really bizarre because first of all, now that I joined the group, just cause out of morbid curiosity, I do it just in my re- regular newsfeed have like just people pointing guns at their dicks. <laughs> Uh, which is like really, really weird between like a Vice article and a Jacobin article or whatever the hell, or a, or frankly a Cats group article. I don't, I don't want to talk up my Facebook feed, but um, uh, but yeah. Th- so now they refer to this guy who shot himself in the testicles as our king. Is, is kind of <laughs> what this is the move here. And I, I don't know why I'm obsessed with it because I don't like uh, I'm not generally drawn to people who are like harming themselves, which is what this is. Yeah. But all, there's like a there's like a a weird like uh, toxic masculinity to this that I it's kind of like watching a car wreck. You know, yeah. I don't know if Casey, I was talking to you earlier and you you said you couldn't you couldn't watch. I can't. You, you, could, you couldn't get into it. I, OK, so I'm, have you guys seen that picture of the guy? Who's trying to brag about always carrying his gun with him? It's in his underwear next to a giant shit streak, and he's got like his hands around his ankles, and th- and that's just that's all of this is like shots of like inside of dude's underwear, and there's blood, and, and I was just like, no, no, that's it's not, not what's I going saw, on. It's I normally... saw one. I saw one of those where there's blood inside the underwear, and I was like, I'm, I don't. This isn't the page for me. I don't like this. <laughs> no, that that was just the one guy that shot himself who was kind enough to upload pictures of his wounds afterwards. Oh, these guys uh, which, were was... shooting themselves or just pointing. No, guns at their no, I will say there was one guy that did a tribute to uh quote our king shot like deliberately shot himself in the dick with an airsoft gun uh like i don't i don't fully understand what's going on here um is the point of the group like to be like just like flexing like oh i've got my gun in my waistband i'm a fucking cowboy or whatever or is it directly about the visual tension of the potential of a bullet flying out of a gun. <laughs> that second was way too artistic and meta. I, I, I honestly think it's a bunch of guys who have a very skewed idea of what looks hard and macho. Okay. And they've just all sort I of, think it's, it's just, they've all agreed on this weird behavior. <laughs> but then and Jake, is... I do think it's a little of both. I do think it's both. Like, well, the, I th- cause they will like brag about that, what their gun is. Like it's a fancy gun or, and then like, you know, <laughs> but, but everyone's there cause they like the first rule of like guns, they tell you don't point it at anything. You wouldn't mind shooting. That's sure. what they tell We're all, we're all from Texas. We've heard this, yeah. you know? So, yeah. But so, we also, but also being from Texas, we know that Texans aren't big on rules. So like, <laughs> as soon as you tell, like, don't point at anything you don't want to lose. And they'll be like, Oh, f- fuck off. Pointing at their kids. That's <laughs> actually true. Fuck. I know Mathematically, it makes perfect sense that eventually a Texan would shoot their own dick off because yeah, sure. those two things. I guess the reason I'm fixated on this is like you said that they call the guy who shot his dick off their king, right? So that means yes, on some level, yes. I guess I'm trying to figure out whether it's like consciously or subconsciously that they knew this was going to happen and respect the guy that did it. Because to me, it seems like what's going on here is that 
Um, I remember an art class one time, they explained visual tension as uh, yeah. like this thing you see in Salvador Dali paintings, which is why he had like, <laughs> okay. he had all those like, if you, you look at Salvador Dali's like weird middle paintings, he, he had like, he always had this, this thing that's like a stick with like a crutch on top of it. Right. Yeah. And it would be holding up like something like the melting clock. Right. And then like what's right. going on when you look at the melting clock is like your brain is kind of like seeing this visual potential because of gravity. And you're like, the right. clock is going to fucking flop and hit the floor. And it gives you yeah. this weird uneasiness. But that's like this. This is like that, but with a gun and a dick. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that you've elevated this with Salvador Dali reference. Oh no, it's got I, uh, my brain bumping. I'm like, because I get it well, now. I, well, when you point a gun at something, there's visual like potential of like, oh my god, it's gonna it's gonna shoot the thing, and then it would be both <laughs> then because I'm sure there is some macho like, I, and also wrapped up in this is like the you know grabbing the dick. I think that sort of sure. uh, weird macho well, behavior, a guns involved. And also probably, yes, the visual, you know, once the first guy did it and saw the picture of it, the visual tension probably struck him and he was like, holy shit, this means something. <laughs> no, so a couple things. So one, um, like the guy who runs the group uh, was apparently was interviewed in the article that I ta- that I read. And basically he was saying they call him our king because, you know, the guy just shot himself in the balls. Uh, we don't want to make fun of him, which I don't think is true. I think it's because they actually do respect him, like that he received the consequences, the very obvious consequences of the activity they're all engaged in. Do you think they right. were all relieved? Like it's a game of Russian roulette and like no, the it, one guy got shot in the it's, head. They're it's like, even oh, fuck. more. It's even more than Russian roulette because it's not often. It's not just pointing. They like they'll upload videos of them like squeezing the trigger just before discharge. Oh my god! Like one guy is holding a revolver, and you can see that it's loaded. Uh-huh. And revolvers generally don't have safeties. Yeah. So he's squeezing the trigger, and you can see the oh chamber start to turn. God, no! I know it. I know it's it. Like you talk about visual tension. I'm just like I'm oh like oh god. Christ! Like, yeah, yeah. God, I mean. It's like it's got weird like toxic masculinity like energy, but it's also got weird like suicidal millennial energy. It's it's very nihilistic, yeah. yeah. It's really I don't know, I don't know. But yeah. it, it, the the weird thing about it being gendered is someone asked like uh, it was like a a, a a a woman was in the in the group and she was asked like, "Am I supposed to point it at my vagina?" And there and they someone literally tagged another group for like loaded guns pointed at clips <laughs> oh my God, or something. What? And I'm like, yeah, because you have you can't just like there's like no, this is a <laughs> they no. were enforcing this. This no. is a man's no, world. Yeah, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> Not in our group. Do that. Do that in your own space. Yeah. You know? Jesus, this is um, our safe space. But uh, anyway, uh, for those joining us on Future Left uh, today, we have uh, a special guest, Jake Flores, who's helping us understand uh, Facebook groups where people point <laughs> the guns at their dicks. Uh, but Jake Flores is a comedian and host of the podcast Pod Damn America and Why You Mad. Uh, he's a comedian uh, based in New York, if I'm not mistaken, uh, originally from Houston, Texas. Uh, Jake, is there anything else I can plug for you? I know your your Twitter handle is Feral Jokes. I no. think that's also your Instagram. Yeah, no, that's it. You just did all my plugs. I don't have anything else. Okay. Okay, cool. Uh, well, first, I will say I love Pod Damn America, yes. um, not least of which is just the intro yeah. with Jeremiah Wright. 
because I remember when I first like I, I it always makes me remember like in what 2004 or whatever or 2008 where you first heard this recording and like when I was a, when I was a kid and I was as a as a as a young man I should say a teenager I was like a dumb lib I guess and I was like oh this is concerning but like yeah. today I'm like this 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 is this is this is church this is actually church. This sounds cool. Yeah. But uh, Jeremiah Wright's always the one I point to whenever people are to show like the complete lack of uh, cognitive dissonance with the right. Will it be like Obama's a Muslim and his pastor hates America? It's like his pastor, huh? His Muslim <laughs> pastor or I don't really understand how religion works. Yeah. 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 But yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a great clip, though. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, it's one of those things that just kind of came together as like a. Uh, a bit but also i think it's, it's first of all it's carrying our podcast i think the theme song gets more compliments than our show which i'm fine with as long as people <laughs> keep listening but I, it's also i think it works pretty well i was talking to brett from rev left radio about this one time and he was like talking about how like jeremiah writes a good kind of focal point for radicalization for yeah. tracking radicalization because you ever like a lot of people of a certain age have this shared experience of Right. remembering at the time that being like crazy and then like nowadays yeah. Yeah. you listen to that speech and it's like no this is like no he's right you know it's pretty standard yeah, absolutely just sounds like bernie it's sanders like the, or something yeah yeah if you heard <laughs> yeah. that in a podcast you'd be like this one's pretty tame i'm like i'm like <laughs> yeah so it's pretty interesting to see but, the way like you know the overton window shifts or whatever like your uh, own sure. ability to kind of see what's possible it's changes. weird how it doesn't move. It's weird how it doesn't desensitize the right and the left the same way, which sort of shows how they share sort of different psychological spaces. Because I feel like the right is always at a sort of standstill in terms of what appalls them. Like they yeah. never seem to get desensitized to anything. I don't know. The right moves sometimes. You know, like the it, it, they used to just be flat out homophobic, and then they, in the later years they sort of shifted sure. to like transphobia and stuff. Yeah. Now, now they're not they 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 don't mind gay people as long as they also hate gay people. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. The, yeah. Totally. Thing. Oh my god, Jake. So I'm I I'm uh, half Mexican, and I've been waiting to have another like Hispanic person on to talk about the uh, phenomenon of like I see this in Texas all the time. Mexican guys were like falling in with like white nationalists, like alt right. Yeah, dude. And, like fuck it, dude. That's the most infuriating thing to me, where they're like going out and like beating up like like undocumented workers and shit and it's it's like it's like their family got here and then they just kicked the fucking ladder out from the roof and like no one else yeah man i feel sometimes i feel like a lunatic trying to explain this specifically to white people but really yes. like it's yeah. it, it's almost it's almost specific to latin people but i don't even think it's that yeah. i mean Latin, Latin people are just a very large group of people in America yeah, and are directly immigrating from a place to the south or from, you know, just the entire like part of the world to the south. And so right. there, I think our families and our friends and stuff like that and our communities are just like the biggest example of this thing. But yes, it, it's complicated because like white people that are just from white communities have a conception of race and a lot of it is based you know the first thing you learn is that there's a history in this country of race between uh black people and white people and it's really important to understand that but the Im yep. immigrant experience is literally everybody else right and immigrants buy in they buy into the system that's why they fucking came yes. here you know and yes, so like absolutely. when you have mm -hmm. like 
all these fucking dudes who are kind of ethnically ambiguous to begin with walk yeah. around in a place like Texas <laughs> noticing that they are being offered an opportunity to become like a fucking cop or a fucking yes. biker or whatever kind of conservative small business person or whatever you know <laughs> it's social you know, capital it's social yeah. capital in a conservative environment it's like it's so but, I mean it's obvious if you understand this but I think it's interesting that people are just like no no all people of color vote democrat and they just agree with me yeah, and marginalized absolutely. or whatever and it's like yeah they are marginalized yeah. and their idea of a way to get out of it is what's been offered to them which is to buy into absolutely. the grift of white supremacy which isn't it's always by- becoming a nazi sometimes it's becoming a cop or just supporting cops yeah, oh like yeah that. sure oh yeah me me and so, Adam I mean, have a uh, me and Adam have a very old friend who, as long as we knew him, as long as we've man. known him, has always wanted to be an authority figure, a soldier yeah. or a cop, and he's a gigantic yeah. conservative asshole. Well, and so he, many well, I mean, fucking ICE agents are yep Latin, and if, I just watched this documentary on Netflix about um, you know just about ICE or whatever, and like I mean it's a. It's clear as day when you hear him talk. I mean, they're they're just like a. There's nothing you can do. B. I have to work this job, and then C. Yes. This shit where it's like, well, I came here legally and they didn't. Yep. And yeah, yeah, you know, yep. the term wetback comes from like people like that calling other Mexicans. Like, yeah, oh, mojados, right? Mojados. Yeah, yeah, fucking mojados. Yeah. Oh, you swam the river. Well, I fucking came here legally or whatever. And it's like way to yeah. like, mm, you know, just divide know and conquer. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I think it's. Well, I think it's a little bit of that, t- but I think it's also a little bit of maybe. Uh, Oh, what's that syndrome of when you when you're held captive and you start to identify with your captor? Uh, Stockholm. Stockholm syndrome. I think there's a little bit of that too, where you sort of internalize the the message, which I'm sure is part of the buying into it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. For but, sure. What were you gonna say, Adam? No, I mean it's what's particularly frustrating. Like you use the word grift, and that's I feel like every week there's like a new video from some schmuck that like my racist family members are sharing. But like the thing that these white people love more than anything is when they find like Candace Owens or the Hodge twins or yes. like a person of color to validate like like the the notion that there is no such thing as systemic racism yes. right. or that black on black crime is the main thing to talk about. White people just love it when they when they hear a black voice or a brown voice say something reactionary that validates their own world. You always see it on Prager U advertisements. They always yeah. have like a like a professor on there who's like blacker. Or Latin or something. Well, you have two forces kind of rubbing up against each other, right? Because you have, like, white people that are, like, they gain so much from a person of color condoning their idea, whether it be full-out Republican bullshit or, like, you know, liberal, like, you know, vote for Biden. It's, you know, it's all you can do or whatever. But the, the reason that someone provides them with that voice is that you've also got this buying in that I'm talking about, which is, like... You know, it's the American dream. Like, of course it happens. And uh, it's funny about this is like, you know, my dad's Mexican, but he like would say sometimes growing up, he'd be like, you know, we're white. And I'd look at him and I'd be like, you're like, you're not like you're the only person yeah. in this car who's not. <laughs> but like you hear that also from like old, like your dad could be like Chinese or something. It'd be like, OK, but we're white. And it's because like white yeah. is not necessarily the color of your skin. It's like a concept, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. The American yeah. dream is like. To be white. To be white. And and that's the thing is you can see yourself as it, but like the the group that you're trying to belong to by being white, like they have to see you as it. It's it's, it's like it's like Jewish, you know, like a lot of you know, Jewish people like depending on what race you are, like like black black people, Latin people will see a Jewish person as a white person. But like a white supremacist isn't gonna see a Jewish person as a white person. Yeah. Yeah. It's because yeah. race doesn't exist. <laughs> 
It's yeah, like man. Stupid, yeah. I was reading recently about like how that came to happen like originally, and it's kind of interesting because like uh, you know, there's all these different white ethnicities in Europe, and right. uh, it's sort of like like uh, what exactly it formed up as basically a response to like Catholicism because Spain was using this religion to sort of bind people together. And then I sure. guess, you know, this uh, counterposing Imperial force in like Britain, like great Britain is basically seeing that they're about to lose like the civilization game or whatever. And so they're like, Oh, yeah. we got to figure out another <laughs> way to, to kind of like bind these people together who are all these different religions. Cause it's, you know, they're not going to, uh, be Protestant or whatever. So it's this vague concept of whiteness just becomes like this way to to grift everyone into thinking that you have a common interest in. You know, at that point, it was the fucking crown, I guess, and yeah. it just sort of like got shoved off to you know all this bullshit we have now. But it's fake. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> fake. So Jake, one of the things I, I saw uh, on your Twitter when I—that's uh, I, one of the reasons I want to invite you on—is back uh, in in July. You were recalling some experiences you had uh, selling fireworks in Texas, which is um, <laughs> uh, something me and Casey went through. It's actually my first time having the surplus value of my labor taken from me. And it was by Casey's parents, actually, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of cool. I got a, I got Adam to help for a good two years, and then Adam was like, "Fuck <laughs> this." I think it was more than two years, but that's fine. I don't know. Uh, no, it, but time but flies uh, and you're having fun, you know. No, no, no. It's 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 all good. Uh, you you owe me though. But no. Yeah. Um. So uh, I got to thinking though. You know, um, this this being the first time my surplus value was exploited. I, I was wondering, like, how did you? Uh, do you have a sense of how you became radicalized in in your own way? Oh, it definitely wasn't via the fireworks job. I got straight up grifted <laughs> sure. off of that shit, and I by at the end okay. of it had learned nothing. But I, you know. <laughs> People always talk about radicalization like it's a fucking Pokemon evolution that happens one day and then you just wake <laughs> sure. up or whatever. Like there's these fucking nerds in left shit in like Brooklyn who I always hear say stuff like I've been a socialist for like nine years and everyone else is That's new weird. or whatever. And it's like, what do you yeah. do? What do you mean nine? Did you have a birthday where you like became a socialist? <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't really think that that sort of thing. I mean, there, there's definitely maybe like a moment in my life where I was like, oh, I used to be afraid to say this out loud, like in public or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Or now I'm, you know, I switched. There's like a tipping point where you switch from, well, this makes sense, but it'll never happen to, okay, I'm going to like actively participate in trying to make stuff like this happen. But like for me, I mean, a lot of it is really, really just like percolating in early life experiences being like, um, I mean, honestly, like some of this race stuff we're talking about, like I had to really understand what it meant for there to be a difference between me and then like the white kids in my neighborhood that all moved sure. to the suburbs at the same time. So like I experienced yeah. a white flight when I was a kid and then me and my family mm -hmm. stayed and, you know, it like a lot of people will look at that as well, that you know, just a racial thing, but it's like money. Like they had money to go out yeah. to the to the suburbs and my family didn't and so i understood very early on in my life that i was poor i think and then you know kind of had like all these weird kind of complexes about that where like for a while i was like you know poor people sometimes like insist that they're not or like you think it's yeah, cool yeah. to be rich and stuff like that and yeah, i didn't absolutely. realize i grew up around a lot of people that were just like you know it was like 
like gangster type people just like people that like you know would spend all their money on like a cool car or whatever and yeah. i always thought they were so stupid but i didn't realize i was doing the exact same thing because what i was doing was like fetishizing all this liberal academia shit like when i was a kid i couldn't wait to go to college and uh, then i got to college and i was like oh this is full of fucking dumbass like frat boys and middle class people <laughs> and then i learned about what college was and was like oh this is just a daycare for like people to dump their kids off before they give them a bit job and business and all this stuff so it all started to like come together then and um i don't know i mean i also but then like college was an experience where i did get to read a lot of interesting shit like i was a sociology student at first and you know read like marx and howard zinn and stuff i also went to a magnet school when i was a kid like there's just like little 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 oh, building for, blocks for what um i just grew i mean the neighborhood kind of I, school was it it was just, um, it was really fucking weird. It was kind of a, like a weird experimental school because it was in like a shitty neighborhood. And so there okay. was this, you know, there were these like two or three big actual schools called uh, Hastings and Elsick. And then there was like another one built. And there was a school called Kerr that was like, I think the idea was that it was supposed to prepare you for college better, but it was like experimental. So you didn't really have classes as much as they just gave you a bunch of shit for like. To... So it was like if you had if you scored high on like aptitude, like high IQ type stuff. It well, wasn't like a science magnet or a, or a math magnet school or anything like that. Yeah, not entirely. Such OK. And it was also because so I lived in a part of Houston where um, like like I said, there's not a lot of white people, but there were a lot of like Asian people and South Asian people and all of them went to the magnet school because I think that their parents right. were like, I don't want you to go to the fucking dumb school, but also sure, yeah. we can't yeah. afford private school. So you would just like it, it was it was one of those things where like, you know, you're going to make it out of the hood or whatever. Like if you apply and you can get into the school because you had to like pass a test and shit. It was fucking weird. And then I got kicked out of that and I went to a fucking prison school like a supermax school for smoking weed oh supermax yeah yeah so i mean being directly involved in like the prison system growing up and uh you know just being fucked with by cops all the time and stuff all this stuff is like you know this is the basis is a foundation for you know if you're a smart person then later on in your life putting all this stuff into context and it makes me so mad arguing with these fucking academic white suburban like leftist people up here who you know they know more because they fucking got sent off to a college to go learn about this shit but none of this right. for them this is all theoretical none of this stuff came from exactly. actually having a relationship with like the state and shit like that you know right yeah yeah i, th I think that's i think i i know i know from like adam's perspective i think me and adam both used to be sort of those sort of shitty suburban uh academic because like oh I, for sure i mean I, we, we we were both like i i went to I study comparative religion at a at a private university, and now I'm doing a, a master's degree in linguistics. So I'm a shitty academic person. But well, we need Adam, every one of you. <laughs> There's another. Well, wrong Adam, Adam, when he really got tell him about the like with your tell him the story that I'm alluding to, Adam. Your inter, your interaction with the state. Well, I think yeah, I think I know what you're about to say, but no, I um. Cause I feel I was gonna say I feel like even like the early days of Future Left, I listened to him like this this guy's politics suck. And yeah, it's, it's horrible. Like me. It's horrible. Um, but like <laughs> I don't know, somewhere around episode one hundred, I got uh, arrested. Um, 
Uh, I was at an anti-fascist march and uh, for Donald Trump's inauguration, and then I got charged with just so many felonies, just so many. And I, I <laughs> too and, many. Uh, I'll say, I, I'll say too many. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, you get you get pepper sprayed, you get handcuffed, and you get handled by the fucking uh, U.S. Park Police in D.C. Yeah. And and then you start to realize, like, oh, like yeah, the, all this theoretical stuff. There, there actually are real consequences. Um, I don't know. And and the yeah, you have a, a sense of the system that you didn't have before but no i, I remember when i uh like I, I listened to one of our episodes it was a while back but uh one of our early episodes we were talking about how to reform the police and like i you know it's it's it, it was just like a hundred episodes where we jettisoned that but i but yeah. like it's like you know at this point it's just a weird artifact of like who we used to be but you're right you know radicalization is not it's not uh evolving a pokemon it's not like i got arrested no yeah and then my charmander Dude, became whatever no one is it's this is i was just talking to uh kenzo shibata and some other people on his podcast mm-hmm. about this we we're talking about punk music and there's kind of this parallel with like between punk and like radicalization where there's a lot of people walking around acting like they were born like someone who, like their first album they ever bought was like the crass or some shit and like yeah. no you <laughs> yeah. went on a journey and you discovered that shit because you're born yeah. in a place and time where most of us listen to what our parents listened to first of all yeah and so we all bought creed's second album and then we grew from there <laughs> yeah. i grew up with amarillo by morning that's what I grew up with. <laughs> <laughs> the first album i ever bought was a uh, lip biscuit significant other you know and then i hey. figured some shit uh, out uh, the first one i ever bought uh it was <laughs> the first one i ever bought was a. Uh... I think issues by Corn. Nice, yeah. I, had I, was, that one too. I think that was mine. I think that was. I think that <laughs> yeah. was mine. Yeah. Did you have the yeah. one with the, the doll on the cover? Yeah, the doll. Yeah, there were a too. few of them. There were a few different uh, covers for that one, right? Yeah, uh, I had that one too. <laughs> but what, what I'm saying is, like, uh, everyone can realize, everyone can look at their musical taste and kind of laugh at it because it's like, of yeah, course, yeah. of course, you have to, you have to listen to the starter shit before you get somewhere smart but with radicalization if you don't listen to anything if you don't listen to anything you go right into the good shit you're not going to appreciate the good shit i feel like like you're not going to know where you are if you don't know where you've been yeah exactly that's why i listen only to rush now yeah <laughs> sometimes he goes Adam's full beyond circle. all of this he listens to rush and then like experimental free jazz <laughs> yeah um but it, that's the right response <laughs> but like i mean what i'm saying is you should like I've had people like kind of I think it's part of it is because I'm a performer so I come from like a group of people who think that your online presence needs to be bulletproof and stuff but like yeah. I've had people give me shit over like yeah. stuff I've said on my show before and it's like yeah I've been doing the show for like 2 years I learned right, shit absolutely. in the last 2 years yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 33 yeah, I was definitely. like 31 then I mean, it would make sense Hey I'm 34 The hey. end result should be that you're smarter right so Yeah absolutely you know this is not a competition. This is like uh, an experience that you share with other people and you learn together. And so it's really stupid yeah. to be elitist. You know, the only people that we should be dunking on are people that are like actively oppressing us, you know? Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Speaking of uh, actively oppressing us, have y'all been watching the DNC at all? No. <laughs> I've been, <laughs> man. Okay. So I, it's one of those things that I, uh, I tried not to, I tried to avoid, and yet it somehow just seeps into uh-huh. the timeline and stuff. And like, yeah, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. A couple of notes, like there's been a couple of things that were extra funny, but the hands down, the yeah. best thing I've seen so far is that like Stills, Nash, and Young 
weird like <laughs> performance art thing where the guys the boomers playing boomer guitar and playing stop oh, I didn't everybody see that. it's that song stop everybody look around something 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 everybody, going oh down. my god oh, okay and then there's okay. dude, you gotta look it up there's it's it's that's, just a, this, that's a pro, that's it's, a protest song and like uh, yeah it's 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 got a. I had a history teacher explain to me what it was about. It had something to do with the American Revolution. He's playing. What well, about the Kent State shootings? The Kent State shootings? Probably or? something like that. But the video is this, this old ass boomer guy, Stills from Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, playing it. And then, like, there's like a flag. There's on a green screen. And behind him, there's a flag, American flag that's red and blue to symbolize, like, unity, I guess. And then a black huh. actor just interpretive dancing while wearing like Hamilton costumes with capes oh, and boy. shit. It looks like Tim wow. and Eric, what? dude. It looks like a fucking Adult Swim <laughs> cartoon. That, that, that honestly seems like a parody that a shitty like heavy-handed leftist would have made to make fun of the DNC. It is wild, dude. Like, There's been a lot of, like that. Like, for instance, if, like, um, I don't know, maybe this is more predictable, but, like, if someone had been like, I bet they're just going to have Republicans speak at the DNC, you know? <laughs> like, you know, like I, that would have seemed like, no, come on, that's, they're not just going to have Republicans. And they, they've basically had two nights of, like, Colin Powell and, like, other, and John Kasich, like, literally just, like, a pro-life guy, the guy that got a bunch of people killed in Iraq, and, like, I don't know, it's been, so it's been fucking, beyond parody. I'm so fucking tired of hearing liberals say that the problem is we just need to come together the problem is that we're not united like that's so infuriating because it's literally they just they just want to stop hearing about shit going on that's what they're tired of yeah well they also they're tired of hearing the conflict they also only mean that in one direction because like i hate to even bring up just twitter because it's like a time suck or whatever Ah, that's kind of like fixated on something happening today which is it a comedian that I kind of know and respect, but is just a lib and doesn't understand what's going on, got kind of main charactered. And like this response to her was this person going, you know, yeah, you're so right. You know, the left is just a, they're a bunch of babies and they expect us to just coddle them and we don't negotiate with terrorists. Right. And the thing is, like, you yeah, had I mean, John Kasich on your fucking D- DNC show. That's a terrorist. That's yeah. your enemy that you're going, like, I'm going to make a deal with. So you notice, like, this stuff about, like, unity, it never includes the left. Because unity would be including no. us. But they fucking, they gave AOC, you know, what it reminded me of is when you do stand-up, you, you do these festivals where, like, you fucking apply, pay, pay like, uh-huh. $150 to submit to some bullshit. And then, they, you know, yeah. they tell you, oh, you're on. And then they... You have to pay your own plane ticket to go out to like Indiana or some shit. And then half the time you show up and <laughs> it's a festival. So it's like nine shows a day. And, you know, the headliners yeah. weird Al or some shit. But you get like, I swear to God, I got the breakfast slot one time. Like I was doing stand up. Oh, that's great. People eating breakfast. <laughs> and I was looking at AOC and I was like, they gave her the fucking people. breakfast slot. Like that's how, that's how little they yeah. think of one of the most popular politicians in the country. You know, they gave her a minute. <sighs> Well, that's what's so strange about the the Biden campaign is it's like they have their own like Trump was inherently reactionary. He he it was on the ten. He was like make America great again. It was like recalling something that came before. Who knows what it was? But Crow. Biden is basically but yeah, Biden is basically doing the same thing. Like, but his his slogan is even more nonsensical. I keep seeing this <laughs> build back better or something <laughs> yeah, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know what the fuck is happening. Like, but but it's inherently oh, like Adam, let's you keep called it. You called it. You said that it was going to be something like business as usual. 
Yeah, I thought it was going to be something. I because I, I don't know because Biden's whole premise is like we just need to do what we did under Obama yeah. when me and Barry were in the White House. Remember and, me and and, and the black president. Yeah. yeah it also it's it, he kind of nailed it in terms of his brand at least because it's like vaguely reactionary it's boomerish it <laughs> sounds like a fucking yeah. like you like you're working nine to five like a bachman turner <laughs> and, overdrive and, and, and it's completely unfocused also it's it's like sort of uh, sort of a like a mangled and twisted a little bit like when he sucked his wife's finger at that uh, on stage, or yeah. whatever that was. Yeah, you remember that shit. Yeah. His wife was pointing, and he like grabbed her finger in his mouth. Like, what the fuck's wrong with yeah. you? Yeah, and then it's also it's just got all the bees. That's fun. Like he's got alliteration. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, hey, yeah, nice alliteration. <laughs> yeah, you've got MAGA, and then you've got BBB. <laughs> yeah, it, he he could have gone for the comedy K's, but that would have been a little too on brand. Yeah, sure, um, sure, sure. They so. Moving on, we wanted to talk to you a little bit about uh, about stand up comedy since that is the, that is the field that you find yourself in. Uh, that that you find yourself in. It's not how I wanted to say that, but <laughs> so stand stand up comedy. There's a lot in stand up comedy these days and how it interacts with politics that just really irks me, and I think it has to do with like some of the. Uh, it's obviously about specific comedians, but there's also there's a few uh, excuses that a lot of comedians use for being reactionaries. Um, well, we should we should start out, but like me and Casey used to be obsessed with stand up. Like we, we used to watch all like the Comedy Central stuff. For, you know, everyone had like a special, yeah, and we'd watch it, and we like we would always listen to the XM radio station, Casey, yeah, of uh, you know various stand ups. And I feel like I I don't I'm not as into stand up anymore, partly because it it felt like there was this growing contingent of like the most popular people who were just like, uh, you know, trying to excuse like, oh, I I I said a homophobic thing yes. or I say I say racist things, and I don't know. I, I mean, know. me and Adam were really into at one point we were both really into Norm Macdonald, uh, just because yeah. of how just because of how different his his comedy is it's like i don't even i honestly don't know how to explain his, his what he does to people no i mean except look, that norm like, mcdonald might be an old crank with terrible politics but he's very funny and those two things very are not funny. mutually exclusive at all that's the absolutely. problem everyone absolutely there's this weird philosopher like street philosopher identity that like that uh people have projected onto comedians and it's come yeah. with this assumption well, i think they projected a little bit on the on themselves like guys oh, like yeah. joe rogan talking about how we need to be able to say our important shit and these college campuses are just too too liberal the snowflakes we can't perform anywhere anymore yeah well everybody kind of you know what people do with comedians man I mean, i'm telling you I, i've seen this a million times from like uh touring and being friends with musicians or whatever but like there's this yeah. thing that happens when you're watching a band you really like where you if you're a real nerd about it you start playing the air guitar and you start imagining yeah. that you are the guy you know and i yes. think that happens yeah, yeah, like yeah. 10 times over <laughs> with comedians because it's just literally a lot of times somebody like making good points and sort of lighten up your lizard brain in a weird way where you're like oh yeah, yeah. the person who's like up there kind of uh you know, beyond even just making points, like just like transgressing in certain ways and then just yes. like playing to an audience. I mean, it's a cool it's fucking cool. And so it's when you seductive. watch someone, you it's hero worship them. Right. And you also yeah. think this person thinks like me and that's why they're right. my hero. You know, that's why so yeah. many people like latch on to like Carlin and fucking Lenny Bruce and shit like that. Yeah. 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 It's hero um, worship. I, I well, but there's also 
I mean, I think in, in, in their personas, there are some comics who were able to construct this persona that sort of lends itself to a bit of hero worship to certain kinds of, of people. Like I've noticed like Bill Burr has this thing where he's like, oh, but don't listen to me. I'm a dumbass, even though I'm saying all of this transgressive <laughs> shit. And I think a lot of people are like, hey, I'm a dumbass, too. I like that this guy's getting to say what he wants to say. But and but like and he gets to hide behind that and say, like, frankly, sort of despicable shit. And then he's like, oh, no, 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 my wife's black. So and it's yeah. like, oh, OK, Bill. Uh, but I think the most unapologetic, like conservative comic is Nick DiPaolo, who just says like racial slurs and like homo- homophobic things on stage. And I want to say he flies under the radar, but I think his career is sort of flying under the radar. So I guess that sort of makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's explicitly conservative, which sucks. But actually, there is some something to respect in it because he does come from a fucking milieu of people who are like in practice conservative, but they don't think it is like it's right. branded as yeah. like, oh, I'm an independent or whatever. Yeah. And they yeah. all have the exact same beliefs as him, ironically, you know, unexpectedly. But sure. um, but there's this mystification. And it's like, I fucking hate Nick DiPaolo, and I think he's wrong about everything. But at least he'll tell you yeah. who he is, you know? Yeah, and, and, and it does have sort of, sort of that disarming thing, especially if you're on the left, where they're like, listen, this is who I am, and you're who you are. And it's like, oh, okay, we're friends. And then it's like, wait, no, 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 wait, I have to be critical about what you're saying, though. Yeah. Uh, I'm very easily uh, disarmed with shit like that, like with people who say horrible things, being like, listen, but I respect you. And then I'm like, oh, I respect, ah, <laughs> uh, hang on, you almost got me. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's weird, because you talk about some, like, even with Bill Burr, like, I mean, honestly, I think Bill Burr's a great comic, and I'll watch anything he makes, because... At least within the confines of a bit or within the confines of a special, that thing he does where he stops and goes, listen, I'm just a fucking dumbass. What do I know? That, yeah. that like actually legitimately does save what he is saying and keep it from being kind of reactionary in at least in the yeah. moment. That being said, you know, I'm sh- I don't know the guy, but I fucking imagine like... I mean, you could just see what he's kind of done with his career and his life and stuff. And it's like, if ask guy what he actually believes, it's probably an incoherent mess. And it's probably somewhat, you know, like conservative in nature because he started like a business. That's what I would think. He started a business yeah, called yeah. All Things Comedy and stuff. And like, you know, I mean, he has something that I've uh, noticed that a lot of comedians, uh, especially like conservative leading ones. Well, not both sides, honestly, this is more of a class thing, have sort of adopted, which is a solidarity among the people within their own profession. But yes only that it only ends there and it's no one else and so it's really did just you hear, did you hear joe rogan say that if he heard that uh joey diaz uh assaulted a woman like he's he said he wouldn't rat him out yeah no he's totally like, Cause, cause joey... and i was like that is so maniacal like that's so weird to be proud of that like that sort of solidarity where you would let someone continue to be victimized because you're not going to sell this old gross dude yeah i mean it's embarrassing because this is like honestly sometimes like somebody really fucking handed my me my ass the other day in like a facebook argument and they were right and i I can't remember what i was talking about but i was talking about somebody having a dumb job or whatever and somebody was like you are literally a comedian you have like the job that bart simpson wanted and i was like fuck you're right like that's so (laughs) i was such a stupid life but it's important to keep that in mind because i mean it's we live in a country that makes media and not you know right. honorable shit it's like i don't just 
you know, coal or fucking bread or whatever, right? So, you know, this job exists. I somehow have right. it. And there are a lot of people that, because there's like actually an industry for this, have been able to make it into adulthood by conceiving of comedy as its own sort of movement and a thing that needs to be protected and it's part and parcel with this stuff i'm talking about where you're like solidarity among your professional like cohort right and that i mean it's that combined with just the empty nature of american politics and the where the fuck you're else gonna go where else are you gonna go i mean it's all like bubbled over together into this thing where uh comedy itself is like a political party or something to people like you know, you like like Rogan would not rat out one of his friends who is a rapist because that would be going against the honor among thieves yeah. of comedians, going right? Party. That's like yeah. that sucks. I mean, that's that's you actually being a bad friend to your friend. You know, no one's saying you got to fucking light sure. the guy on fire, but like you've let this stupid like pseudo political belief or pseudo like ideological movement keep you from taking care of your friends because it's it's a death cult you know it's a fucking worship of clout and all this stuff and it ends with like god i don't know if you saw that picture the other day but like there's a fucking picture of like Chappelle and sarah silverman and louis ck and like a couple other comedians one of them's a guy from fucking houston that i i've met and he's cool and i like but he's i disagree with him doing this is they all did a show together and then i don't know they're just hanging out no covid masks or anything like you know and it's like that's the goal the goal is to go we're the world is falling apart the world's ending and the goal for a lot of people still is just to be standing next to louis ck and like Chappelle and shit well, you know it well it's interesting because like the, the the big thing looming over this conversation is the idea of cancel culture right and like louis ck uh, you know, he comes up like some people will talk about cancel culture and they'll fucking bring up Harvey Weinstein, you know, <laughs> yeah. like a like a, you know, like a, an actual like rapist and yeah. sexual predator. Like it's, and and like and people will also bring it up when you like tell a mean a ribald joke, you know, um, but also like Louis C.K. like he hurt people he hurt people's careers. And like it's it's weird that like that this comes up in like cancel culture because. Um, you know, I was listening to, uh, I think, I think why you mad recently. And you, you, re, you, you recalled like this one time you told a joke and like the joke police came to your house. Yeah. <laughs> Except you it know was the I mean? literal police. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. But people, you pro- people don't talk up, but like it comes to like first amendment, you know, these free speech warriors, like, you know, I- ice came to your house because you said a weird thing on Twitter. Right? Yeah. No. Yeah. So with, are you okay talking about that? Oh, absolutely. I don't give a fuck. Um, cool. uh, I, cancel culture is more what I'm we- worried about getting into because it's such a fucking sand tar pit or whatever. It's a it's quicksand. Well, I don't know what the metaphor I'm using is. You get stuck in it, right? And it, it means a lot <laughs> yeah. of different things. And everyone yeah. uses it to mean different things. But um, it you notice the malleable reframing nature of it when you talk about these things like you're talking about conservative comedians that are going as far as to say harvey weinstein was canceled right uh bill cosby was canceled and then this thing happens to me and i guess the point that i would make when you contrast literally the america's secret police gestapo coming to your house over a joke versus like a guy went to jail because he fucking raped people is that generally no one is actually under attack for jokes. I, it actually happened to me, and I think that I proved a point when that happened, which is that in order to actually have the police come drag you off stage fucking Lenny Bruce style these days, you have to threaten, like, specifically in a 
in a direction from the left. You you know the only thing you're not allowed to talk about, the only thing you're actually censored for, punished for, is critiquing like American Empire and shit like that because uh, yeah. all the major networks are owned by like Comcast and people who do business with like weapons dealers and stuff like that and like it all is connected at the top to just ruling class stuff right you can actually piss people off enough to where they won't let you talk about like um I don't know I mean I have a friend who got kicked off of a thing for talking about the Armenian genocide because it's like no it goes against the beliefs of the fucking uh network or whatever, yeah, right you're but talk about that shit on the other side, you got these conservative people who cry cancel culture left and right about every little fucking thing. And I mean, they're making these goddamn videos right now. These are like really bad sketches coming out of like the the freaking conservative like ONA scene or whatever that are all about like um, mm. antagonizing this supposed censor that's coming to fucking take you or whatever. And it's these people are that sounds fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> these people don't realize is that they're the freest people in the world. No one yeah. will ever stop them from saying any of this shit. What they're calling cancel culture it was when people don't like it. And that's like, that's normal. Well, that's, what's so, that's, what's so, <laughs> that's what's so annoying. And I remember before I even had the, like, before I had the vocabulary to explain it, that's why Carlos Mencia used to always bother me so much, is because he says shit that is like the mainstream shit to say. Like, he just regurgitates uh stereotypes and then he'll go that's that's right i said it yeah, yeah that's a- right someone's saying it <laughs> and that used to piss me off so much because he was so, <laughs> pat himself on the back so hard yeah. for saying like black people steal or some shit yeah and it's <laughs> and, like and i was like no, i was like oh so fucking brave who was stopping you from saying that exactly Everybody- like that that's the mainstream that's what our society says yeah, I mean, you know, that Nick DiPaolo especially put out last year where he's, like, giving the finger to Black Lives Matter protesters and stuff. Yeah. He noticed he called it a breath of fresh air, and yeah. that tells yeah. you what those people think, right? Because they're... Well, they see reality in the opposite. They see the opposite uh, in terms of power structure. Yeah. They view the top as being on the bottom. Like, it's just a clear opposite. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same thing as, like, Trump's base and, and I don't know, like... It, everyone that's kind of complicit in this which is that you know this is america we're a very anti-collectivist culture right we had the fucking cold war we have a hangover from it and so because of that it's not only do people not understand class they think that the very act of understanding class is in itself kind of a crime so what you have is this complete like once you take class out of the picture you can have someone who is rich and powerful conceiving of themselves as like being pushed around not because yes. the cops are coming to your house or anything you're not lenny bruce motherfucker no one's fucking with you yeah. you don't have to go up to the supreme court like george carlin right. just anyone not <laughs> laughing at a joke or dare because you can't because eat. a college doesn't want you to come back because everyone thought your fucking stuff was disgusting yeah and it's like, like fucking if maybe your jokes you know aren't gonna maybe the college doesn't want to hire you that's that's just a place not hiring you. I mean, I don't play every fucking club in the world because some people don't want to hear my shit because, you know, it probably yeah. wouldn't be a good fit. And, uh, you know, I, yeah. I don't deserve their money, you know? Yeah. There's a there's a movement now with, um, you know, again, I'm going to come back to Joe Rogan because I think Joe Rogan bothers me like almost more than anyone else <laughs> on the planet just because of how he sells himself. It's like, listen, I'm not just a jock. I'm like this intellectual free thinking renaissance man. But he's like Bill Maher in that they're not conservative, but they hate the left. Like, they hate the left. Like, they've got a special, like, crusade against the left. 
Is that how you is that how you see it? It's like they're, they're like they're like, oh no, I'm liberal. Don't get, no, 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 I'm a liberal. I'm a liberal. And, and and like and like the people on the left fucking suck. You know, they call the left liberal. Well, yeah, liberal. I mean that's what I was gonna uh, say. The language is a little confused there because like liberals hate the left, Le, uh, conservatives, and people like. People like Joe Rogan. I mean, I don't even think that guy really hates liberals, but there are, there are a lot of conservative people that hate liberals and they call them the left. So it gets really confusing. But Rogan, honestly, yeah, exactly. I think the deal with Rogan is that he's actually very open minded, but he's pretty dumb, but he's open minded. Yeah. And so he he's doing something which with his platform, which is, you know, the most listened to podcast. And right. he's claiming objectivity but the thing is if if you claim objectivity but you're a rich white guy and your project is well i'm just gonna talk to anyone who kind of crosses my path and appeals to me intellectually and just sort of work from there you're starting at a starting point of you're gonna you're gonna be talking to other rich white guys who talk about ideas that appeal to people in power. And so, you know, in order for him to be properly objective, which I think could happen, is that he would just have to actively sort of try to correct that and just platform more, like, actual leftist thinkers and stuff like that. And instead, what we get is 99 episodes of Jordan Peterson and Mike Cernovich and Dave Rubin and shit, and then every once in a while, like, you know, like Jimmy Dore or, like, um, Abby Martin or something like that. And it's like, you know, I always... I, I think... I don't. I th- I think I had a dream at one point. I was of of trying to get people on because I know people that kind of know him and stuff. And I, I th- I tried to get on one time after the ice thing happened, but then like I was kind of had a schedule snafu or whatever. But I was like, man, if we could just get like, you know, good left podcasters and YouTubers and shit into that world, then yeah. my probably good would come of it, and it wouldn't matter that he's just an empty sieve. You know, an empty vessel that all this stuff passes through, really, because it would at least be kind of balanced. But right now, I think that guy's major crime is just kind of being stupid and like being passive. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he confuses like being open with being objective because I think he is very open minded. Yeah, but I don't think he's smart enough to be ob- objective, and he just sort of ends up like hearing. Jordan Peterson say fascist stuff, and, and his response is, that's fucking wild, dude. Yeah, everything is just, wow, that's wild. <laughs> that's crazy, that's crazy. Yeah. Did you hear that? Uh, I mean, I mean, now... Surprisingly, I mean, he was really hard on Ben Shapiro recently. I don't know if you all saw that. that was, yeah, he was like just asking basic follow-up questions, and Ben Shapiro <laughs> was having a real hard time. Well, it's, Ben Shapiro it, was having like, flashbacks to high school, getting stuffed in the locker by guys that look like Joe Rogan. Yeah. I sure, mean, every sure. once in a while, yeah, he does something kind of cool like that. And you go, oh, my God, he learned something interesting. It's weird yeah. that the most famous show on planet Earth right now is us all watching him and going, oh, my God, he learned something. You know, it's just him like yeah, exactly, struggling yeah. to understand <laughs> shit or whatever. And, yeah, you know, I, this objectivity thing I'm describing is something that is it's a big value in the comedy world. Yes. Right. And I've, I used to really subscribe to it. And I think I noticed a while back that, uh, if it's passive like this, it's a fucking waste of time. Cause you'll end up no matter what, just sort of like shifting that direction. And like an example of that yes. is I was just thinking recently, I was talking to somebody about how I used to, I used to really, I listened to race wars, which is Kurt Metzger's podcast, 
with uh, uh-huh. this comic named Sherrod Small, and I, I really liked it, and I didn't agree with everything Metzger said, but, like, you know, he was an edgelord, and he was, like, kind of an OA yeah. guy, but they would do this shit where they would, if they disagreed with someone, if some crazy person from the internet yelled at them, they'd have him on the show, and then they would go, look, you know, it's a fucking, we're gonna have a fair fight, and then they would argue shit out and it was kind of funny because it wasn't like a gang up thing where where, right. where like you know a lot of other of those right wing shows will gang up and they'll just try to just go see PC culture got it again or whatever but they would kind of learn from each other and it was like a beautiful thing I mean Barry Crimmins was on the show a lot right before he died and you know they they really like had a discourse and that's the dream of comedians especially ones that grew up watching like tough crowd and shit is that, that at some point this was mm. going to become a discourse right but if you check, if you look at what fucking Metzger's up to now, it's, he's Mike Cernovich is on his new show like all the fucking time. And it doesn't sound like he's platforming a guy simply objectively, you know, to hear what he has to say and critique it anymore. It sounds like he just fucking agrees with it. Right. And so what's going on here, what's going on here, I think, is that this objectivity is meaningless if you're not like equipped to deal with the content, right? And what none of these comedians are equipped in any way to grapple with the stuff that they're platforming. So it ends up just convincing them, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you're a convincing enough uh, speaker, I, I guess I think I think one of the pitfalls is that a lot of comedians think that they, you know, they they consider themselves the first these First Amendment warriors that that, that what they have to say is important and they're going to speak against the status quo. And that they have to be allowed to say what they're going to say in order to drive our culture into the direction it needs to go. I mean, is that the general conception of the the free speech warrior, you know, stand up? Yeah, yeah. And and their relationship to the First Amendment? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of big romanticization about a comedian being like the front lines on this sort of battle against free speech. And... You know, I mean, you have a fucking tattoo of George Carlin and one of Lenny Bruce. You're going to kind of look at that and go, this is a tradition. And I'm, you know, I've been handed down the mantle of this tradition or whatever. But the thing is, it's more complicated than that. I mean, it really changed. No one is really fighting for free speech anymore in the way that those people did, because the free speech is not coming in contact or coming under fire in any way other than like, yeah, like the ice thing or whatever. But uh you know, what's happening, actually, oddly enough, is a friend of mine, P.E. Moskowitz, wrote a great book a while back called The Case Against Free Speech. And it's like not a case against free speech, like it, like free speech bad. It's a case against the existence of a thing called free speech, right. which is, a, right. you know, a political tool that's sort of been used to, to manipulate people. Speech without consequences. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in the book, they basically go through how free speech was like a left idea back in the days of like, uh, you know, the, AC, uh, the ACLU and like unions and stuff around the turn of the century, but got co-opted specifically by the Koch brothers because they basically dumped a bunch of dark money into like all of these New York Timesy and like Reason.com think pieces about like campus culture being this horrible omen about you know the deterioration of society or whatever and all that was just a project to get you know some other things done it was it was a boogeyman you know it's like a like a weird thing it's a conservative crank idea and you know it just overlapped with what people thought carlin was doing and now you got these fucking stupid chuds that think that they're fighting on behalf of uh, something that's just entirely different you know you're basically just doing a david brooks new york times column on stage and calling it comedy it's not the same fucking thing at all 
Yeah, yeah sure. it's, it's not like Jeff Dunham's high-minded shit. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Well, I mean, and also, you know, the broader free speech discourse, you know, not that like most comedians, as far as I know, are like advancing free speech in this particular context but in the broader broader discourse around free speech you mentioned the Koch brothers like free speech is is has come to be about corporations having free speech and all that that entails and which is often nonsensical and reactionary and dangerous for working people yeah but um but there there is like this concept of like comedians as like artists that like if you're if you're not saying like uh trans like you know the quote-unquote transgressive things and i think we've already talked about how loaded that is to, to a certain degree but if you're not like almost like if you're not offending people and I can unpack that a little bit but if you're not offending people you're not being true you're not being you're like holding back yeah. you know there is that type of uh attitude about you know when it comes to what is offensive and what is well isn't. i mean i honestly kind of believe that it's just that I think I disagree with most comics on what that line is because what I see really conveniently in the world of comedy on both the left and the right is a bunch of people who have figured out uh, a line to step over that is safe from any real consequence and rewarding in terms of your career monetarily and clout wise so on the left you've got people that are like oh are you offended that i took down donald trump and it's like it's the most fucking popular point in america to make no no one's offended but you're cosplaying as being transgressive right and on the right you got these fucking people that are like are you offended that i said something racist and it's like that's also the most popular shit in america you're not you're just fucking jacking off at each other and what i think you know, for me personally, why I'm such an anti-comedian comedian and why I talk a lot of shit on like Twitter and in my own circles and stuff like that is because like I noticed something. Those things are safe to talk about. But you know what's not safe yeah. to talk about? How much money comedians make, where they get it from, who has rich parents, all this stuff that is, <laughs> uh, you know, kind of reflective of like the politics of the day since, you know, I'm sorry, old fucking people and boomers and shit this left shit isn't going away you talk to anyone under 30 then like this is like normal for them because they grew up with a very clear understanding that both fucking parties are against them and so what we have is a burgeoning class analysis and like a or class consciousness rather and part of that is going to be that the i think at some point it's going to be a if this happens correctly, this will be a hack point to make because it'll be have made so many times or whatever. But this stuff about like wealth and stuff like that and actual kind of kind of foundational understandings of power is going to be how you dunk on people, you know? And I think it's yeah. you know I I know it's stepping a fucking line because people get really pissed off at me when I ask them about it. But it's like, yeah, you're a comedian, right? I thought you said everything goes. Oh, not that one thing. I think I fucking found the line then. I think I found the new thing to transgress about, you know? But all right. So before we wrap up, uh, like one of the things we often think about on Future Left is we have like a segment called like control alt delete. So like control meaning like uh, like some sort of public ownership uh, alt meaning some sort of worker ownership and then delete, like abolish this thing. Um, but uh, like I, we try to think through it in different contexts, but it's weird to think about it in terms of comedy, especially we're talking about how, you know, some comics feel like they, they can't say what they want to say. And they, <laughs> because there are certain consequences for your audience. I don't know. Uh, you're, you know, people don't want to listen to you if you say weird shit. Um, but like, 
Um, there was an article, and I and to be clear, uh, uh, this will be my my Bill Burr, I'm a dumb guy moment. Uh, but like, I didn't read it. But there was an article in Jacobin that mentioned this one time where the pubs were nationalized in uh, the UK during like the war effort. Oh, wow. But it got me thinking, like 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 after a- after uh, the revolution, comrades, what what would it, what would like a comedy club like look like? You know, in terms of how it would be governed, like because because right now, you know, I think. I don't know about uh, you, Jake. I, I have some experience in like the restaurant industry, uh, which is I'm similar to a club cl- club in some in some respects. Like they're not really like democratic institutions, right? But it's it's interesting to think about like comedy even at that level, you know, and like how you might kind of manage some of these issues collectively in that kind of sense and what that might look like. And I feel like I'm just kind of rambling about this premise of a segment we do, but like comedy and the comedy club as an institution after, after we get socialism, what do you, th- what, what do you think that looks no, like? I, this is an excellent question. I'm so glad you asked it. Cause uh, I've thought about this heavily. Uh, I think my knee jerk reaction is abolish comedy clubs, but I'm mostly joking. I just think it sounds <laughs> funny. Um, I was thinking about this a while back because, uh, you know, after COVID happened, I noticed that like there's this club called The Stand in New York that's owned by, um, you know, reactionaries from this whole fucking world we're talking about. And they you saw small business owners really show their true colors after the pandemic happened, because then, you know, suddenly it was like, well, when it comes right down to it, what are your priorities? And most of their priorities were, uh, you know, me, my own pockets. A couple of restaurants I worked for really showed their ass and. You know, did things like uh, wouldn't let people leave when they were sick. They had COVID outbreaks at their own businesses, uh, raised money and then spent the money on the business and not the workers, stuff like that. And most of them, you know, won't be as as blatant about this. But the owners of the stand flat out just said to someone, you know, we're capitalists and, uh, you know, you have a problem with our small business here. Then, you know, you can leave America or whatever. And I was like, okay, these are fucking, you know, libertarians or whatever. But really showed you that what that business model is 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 profit for the comedy club at the expense of the performers their employees fuck customer half the goddamn time they don't give a shit they have rapists around all the time they don't care about you know whether that threatens anyone in the audience or whether it threatens anyone who works there because you'll make some money right so my take on this honestly is um i think a comedy club could be worker owned because There are, so yeah, the service industry is very undemocratic, but it doesn't have to be. And there are co-ops that function pretty well. I mean, it makes sense because everybody who fucking works in them has worked in, you know, a working class industry that's very parasitic and exploitive. And, uh, you know, but you still as like a, as a restaurant worker, I mean, I, I know I do, I, I take pride in my skills. I fucking loved bartending and to the point where you know, that's kind of a fallback career for me, honestly, if, if uh, you know, if I ever need sure. to, I might open a bar and try to run it like a co-op or something because, you know, socialism is not an, about not working necessarily. It's about just yeah, getting sure. paid correctly for your work. Yes. And it's, it's a workers movement, you know, in a lot of ways. I mean, there are, you know, champagne socialists and stuff like that, but like, um, but I think that something like a, like a comedy club that, you know, kind of functions on the model of serving food which is you know it's basically a restaurant where you just have like a a performance um you could cut out the the profit incentive here and have a staff that gets paid really well and then comics that are compensated for being part of the goddamn experience which they really aren't i mean you 
you know, com- comedians are exploited for scarcity. You know, you're basically told there's a million scabs. We don't have to pay you anything more than $20 or whatever. And you could change that. And you could set up a standard to change that, too, that would make sure everyone gets fucking paid for. Yeah. Not that this is like necessarily labor and i like to kind of point out a lot of times how fucking stupid it is but it is still a skill and it's a thing that you know not everyone can do and um you know you're not a fucking hero but you deserve to be compensated well, for your, it when you your, take it's the time, time out of your life it. that you're putting into it so i mean it, it, yeah yeah uh i'm going work around yeah okay cool well this all sounds fine and good but what how, do, how does this actually function without an assistant manager and a manager <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that one. Uh, yeah, who's gonna who's gonna uh, you know harass the wait staff and uh, harass the comedians? Yeah, who's gonna who's sexually gonna t- harass everyone? <laughs> who's gonna tell you to that? come in even though you're sick? Like, who's gonna do that? Yeah. No, uh, uh, no I think that brings us to the end, Jake. But that was cool, and also that was like a, a great response. I really appreciate uh, your answer to that question. Oh, I've thought about it. I thought about nationalization, man. I mean, I just don't <laughs> think that there's a a standard that can really work. But and I've also done like shows in anarchist spaces where we've literally just gone into an empty room and been like, "All right, what the fuck is a comedy show? Let me build it from the ground up." And I've thought about this yeah. really hard and been like, "It's really not that complicated, you know." <laughs> sure, sure. You don't sure. need. You don't need a you don't need a f- entire other business attached to it. The only reason there's a business attached to these fucking spaces is because they happen in like Manhattan and shit, and they have to pay rent. Yeah. yeah. No, if we nationalize, a, clearly what we need is like a special like parliamentary body to oversee comedy, and you can just elect <laughs> the, the your, minister your of com- comedy, your comedy judges. Yeah, yeah. Boy, we just we, like w- comedy needs to be censored, but we need to elect who censors the comedy. That's what I think. The, oh. Yeah, I was gonna say the only time you ever see like this sort of thing happen is in like big authoritarian like Soviet style communism. Like, I mean, literally Yakov Smirnov's <laughs> whole story was like they made me submit my jokes to the government and stuff like that. My God, and talking talking about like coming into a new country and kicking the ladder out for everyone else. Like he literally just came <laughs> to America and was like, "Fuck where I just came from. They're all evil." Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's, you know, kind of a valid criticism of something that maybe wasn't working functionally about the, sure. the Soviet Union at that point. Sure, but, sure. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean it's impossible. Like, I'm not like a, you know, I'm, I'm pretty critical of like China and a lot of aspects of uh, the Soviet Union and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, it doesn't mean as a model it's impossible because, you know, right. that big communism existed for a reason and there was a point and maybe, you know, no fucking government on earth has ever really executed what it was going for, um, you know, entirely perfectly or anything like that. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously being part of a, being a leftist is understanding first and foremost, that's true of fucking America and what we claim to be doing. But, um, hey, man, I mean, it might be possible at some point if there was like a communist world government, you know, for there to be like, yeah, like a like a like a project artistically that everyone yeah. was kind of on board with that was nationalized that we all yeah. liked and doesn't wasn't oppressive i could, could, could happen i could see it you I, know i dream of like the north american director for the bureau of comedy that's what i that's my dream <laughs> you know that's your dream job <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. You no. Have to be you. no it's I not mean, gonna be we, me but yeah no if it was communist and it was like worker focused and it was about uplifting the worker i could see there being a cool national message for committee like for for a national like kind of structure for running something like 
I guess, comedy. Maybe, maybe, but that does bother me a little bit artistically. I mean, sure. Well, I mean, yeah, we'd all have to wear the you know same gray jumpsuit, you know. That that, that, that would suck. All right. Well, that brings us to the end. But uh, once again, thanks for joining us, Jake. Uh, And for the audience, you can you can follow him on Twitter at Feral Jokes. You should listen to his podcasts at uh, Pod Damn America and Why You Mad. Jake, this was cool. Thanks for doing it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Listen, let's do it again sometime because I still have to ask you about that fireworks stand shit. I oh yeah, fuck, we didn't talk about it. Uh, well, we moved yeah. right past it for yeah. some reason. My 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 favorite bit was when people would walk toward this tin shack filled with gunpowder, smoking a cigarette. Yeah, that was my favorite. And then, and then <laughs> when the drunker they are, you tell them they can't smoke, and they look at you like, "What the fuck did you say to me? I can't smoke." <laughs> and, and then other people that are more sober are like, "Yeah, I know you'll blow it up," and they'll be like, "Oh shit, yeah, sorry." <laughs> yeah, it's literally a. Tin can full of gunpowder, and and all, yeah. and that, and also you're selling like you're taking the wages of working class people to give them stuff that they're literally going to set on fire. It also, you know, it yeah. has some questionable value to it. Anyway, that's going to be all for us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see y'all next time on Future Left. Bye, everybody.